ladies and gentlemen, we are almost there. We are at episode 99 of Colorful Combos with Nico. And we are fucking one episode away from 100. And to hit the centennial point of this podcast alone will be a magical thing. And that is going to be happening on July 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Instagram Live. A 100 episode, interactive episode. I want people to request to join. It's going to be a free-for-all episode. And I'm so excited. But for episode 99, me and Mike Ronan from Grand Rapids, Michigan, DJ, producer, Ronan, on my show. To wrap up the 99 episodes prior to 100, ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to present to you episode 99 of Colorful Convos with DJ and producer, Mike Ronan. person in the world to get a hold of <laughs> it's okay it's okay but we're here and i thank you for being here absolutely how are you how are you dude i'm i'm good i'm really good how are you doing dude i'm good man it's a it's a beautiful sunday night uh like you said i'm i'm chilling i feel like you are just going 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 non-stop the last couple months dude it is it has been a ride for sure <laughs> i've been having a lot of new obstacles and new challenges that's to say the least but it's been nothing but super exciting you know dude this past weekend i mean just fuckboy symphony how, how's that response been oh my god it's oh it's so much um <laughs> cool it's really cool to have the traction and have people like i just the what was actually kind of taking me a second was that i was reviewing there was an article that my friend just sent me that was from monsoon seasons that just came out and i had no idea yeah um, i had zero clue um wow yeah so i was like and then i know that um i can't say too much but i have a couple other blogs that are going to be um talking to me and interviewing me a little bit more in depth about that track specifically um which is cool wow that's got to be, that's got to be, I mean, I mean, after this whole past year, you know, it's just like, this is, you know, the first, not first, but one of those breaths of fresh air, you know, moving on from this year of 2020, right? Exactly. Yeah. It was something that, I don't know. I mean, I spent probably like three months working on that track, dude. I mean, it was a long time for just that track, even in particular, because like, I was really like over that course of that time, trying to come out with content that like I was happy with, you know what I mean? As opposed to just creating stuff. And that was really a hard level to start to reach too. So like, that was one of the first tracks I feel like that I got to that point, you know what I mean? Like where you feel comfortable with what you're creating, I guess. 
so do you think that this song was that you know that switch flipping about you know like not just creating to create now it's just like creating to like mean something or has it been like this for a while now um i think it was more it was kind of more of like a switch thing where it kind of like started to click in more and, and that i got more comfortable in ableton and and I'm, i've started to become a more i guess rounded producer because i took a lot of like lessons from um mysteria who's a good friend of mine um who's you know been out on like every major label and you know i took a lot more time i guess to work on the finitisms as opposed to just like creating a bunch of content right um, i was doing that for a while um that i would sit there and i'd make you know like half a song and I wouldn't be able to, I guess, like convey the rest of my idea properly throughout, which was tricky because like I get to these points that I want so badly to make a song, but I have no idea how to do it. Like I would just put a wall and I was kind of grateful that I had the ability. I talked to a couple of different people about taking lessons like independently with a producer that was a little bit more versed than myself. And I eventually stumbled upon um, Steven Mysteria and that was like a huge, huge turning point of like my production game. Like it was like an incline change, completely different, like from night and day, I'm like working with him after about six or seven lessons. It was like huge. How long have you been doing this now? Um, well, I've been DJing for going on like five years and then I've been producing for not even three yet. Okay. So um, Feel new I, still or no? It feels a little bit new. Um, yeah. A lot of times I still have a lot of questions. Like, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I probably won't ever stop having questions, but That's a good thing. <laughs> I think that I right now still have like a couple of things that like, I wish I knew more about even still, like I have a great set of friends that are audio engineers that do a lot of my mix downs and masters for me. But like in that field, for instance, like I feel like I'm so just lacking there in knowledge. It's such a, in depth field that I don't I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> like engineers are the the pinnacle of the music industry. They are just it's unexplainable what they do to make a song sound better. It's incredible. They can make or break anything that you do. It is nuts to me. Like I mean, having a good engineer behind what you do can can change the world of what you create. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Have you always like? Have you always had that group of friends, you know, that you've surrounded yourself with to, you know, that have always been in the music industry or were you always one, the one that was kind of the outlier? I mean, it kind of was at first, especially like my OG group of friends that was like from high school and stuff. I was definitely like the outlier. I didn't really yeah. have on um, a lot of my friends were gearheads, dude, you know, mechanics and, yeah. and shit like that. And on. Um, I was just really into music like the whole time. And I mean, my friends were like, whatever, that's cool. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> the eye roll yeah all right yeah you know like it was kind of like i'd have to like really beg for them to go to shows and, and like those friends after a bit kind of like just faded off in the background those like high school friends i mean that that's kind of yeah. typical in life anyways but um it eventually got to a point where like i started kind of more being more choosy about who i had around me and like i have a very good circle of people around me i feel like nowadays especially in just like the music sense like i work with people like all the time Mm -hmm. that I see on a regular basis as friends too. Yeah. Which I feel like is really nice. Like I get that kind of duality of being able to have friends that are like-minded 
but at the same time, it's not always like that pressure, pressure of having like, you know, like, I don't want to say like business associates, but you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to feel like, oh my God, I have to be some type of way, you know what I mean? Friends, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we laugh and joke with each other and give each other shit, just like any other group of friends, you know? I love that, man. I mean, you've, you've, you know, come out of the primary, the Grand Rapids scene, correct? Yeah, yeah. We're I, very I, fortunate to both, you know, have been performed in Grand Rapids and the city has given us some great opportunities. And me awesome. and Mike and Ronan, we, you know, chilled and did the silent disco. We closed it out. I think it was 2018 or 2019. I can't remember the exact year. Yeah, it'd be 2019, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, 2019. The last one, right? Before, yeah. the, before the shutdown. So, yeah, it was 2019. Man. And I think, yeah. we, wasn't it Tyler Knighton was to our yeah. right it was no, all three I, of us i love that man yeah he was right next to us too so it was like all the homies and it was like during the sunset too it oh. was that was magic dude god almighty that's still actually i will say like wholeheartedly that's like in my top five like all my favorite sets just because it was like a dream dude it just yeah it was so pretty and it was like you know the lights are coming on and it was i don't know it was just a vibe because that's hometown vibes for me you know what i mean like kind of hit home i think i mean just anytime you get to perform, I guess, in front of your friends and family that, I mean, that obviously just feels different or that city that like, you know, you went to eat and you hung out and you were upset and you were happy. And like, when you get mm-hmm. to perform in that city in that setting, I mean, it's, you can't explain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. It's kind of like a milestone moment. You feel that, that you've overcome a lot more obstacles than like, you know, if you just get to go play wherever, you know what I mean? Like you had to undergo all the rest, you know what I mean? Sometimes of those things. No, absolutely. I mean, okay, so that's one of our favorite moments, you know, in music. What was your first show? Uh, first show was I was on Prime Music Festival Lansing. Um, yeah. God almighty, what year would have that been? That would have been 2017. So, yeah, four years ago. And then this would be my fifth year of DJing. Yeah, so that's about right. Yeah, I would okay. say like 2017. Um I closed silent disco actually that year too. Wow. Um, yep. And it was so, dude, I was, I was terrible. I had, I had never <laughs> touched CDJs like ever in my life. I'd only watched a bunch of video tutorials. Yes. No. I know exactly what you're saying. Bro. My first show, they were like, you could only use CDJs. And I'm like, I've never used CDJs ever, before. Ever. I didn't even know how to load my flash drive, dude. I had to have somebody come help me because I didn't know how to, how to load it. I knew how to collect tracks. I knew how to organize my playlist once I got there, but I had no idea how to load the USB or link it. So I had no idea how to link it either. Yeah. So I didn't have anything. Dude, it was horrible. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, I mean, were you, were you nervous? Were you Ronin oh, at that time? Were you Ronin yet or no? Oh God. I was no. <laughs> no. I was no I would not say that at all I was still very 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 uncomfortable like I had okay like for instance I remember doing this this is so dumb um I had the mic in my hand and I don't know what possessed me to grab the mic this way but I grabbed it by like the XLR plug-in oh and so I like do this to like whip the mic back to my face and like pull it up close to my mouth and and the mic like flew off and like smacked me in the face while I was playing and this is like my first set so it was like such like an ego hit like you're like it was like early on it was like five ten minutes in and so it smacked me in the face and like my, my lips like bleeding on stage it was like awful like it hit me fairly hard and it was like an old like you know sure microphone like yeah, it's yeah. heavy and like 
I'm kind of like trying to pick this microphone that's unplugged off the ground. My lips bleeding. Like, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. I didn't even turn the microphone on, dude. Like I didn't flip on the DJM 900. I didn't flip the on switch. So then I start, I plug it back in. I think I'm all good. I start talking. No one can hear me. No one has any idea I'm saying anything or anything at all. It was like, oh my God. No one has I bet you the whoever was like watching you, they're like, man, this set's crazy. He's like punching himself with the mic and he's bleeding. right. He's like really going for it. This must be some crazy artistic expression, right? like interpretive dance. Like, no, nah, it was it was really bad. Um, and then I eventually had somebody come up and flip the microphone on and like, and so then I kept playing for like I don't know like three four minutes and it's silent disco headphones, and so. My buddy comes up and he starts talking to me and I can hear it in the headphones. So I had no idea how to turn it off. So, cause like, it's like the smallest little black switch on the DJM 900. Like everybody knows that that's a yeah. DJ. He's like invisible. So like, <laughs> I have no clue how to turn the microphone off. And all you can hear is my buddy. That's just like talking like right next to me as this track's playing. And I'm like, I'm like panicking. And I'm like, I don't want to be like, dude, shut up, dude, shut up, because everyone's going to hear it. Here's the drop, here's the drop. Right, and so I eventually just kind of like shoot him off stage, and I like, I'm pretty sure I just played the rest of the set with it on. Wow. And I just didn't talk, and like didn't say anything. And then like at the very end, I was like, thank you guys so much, this is such a big moment for me. And like in my head, I'm like, that was awful. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, that was so bad. And like, it felt like, a really cool moment to do my first show but at the same time like it was like oh my god like they're never gonna book me again like yeah. <laughs> they're never gonna book me a day in my life after this oh man but you did you got yeah oh, absolutely they yeah. loved me for it which was even more monumental like they were super supportive and just like we didn't know that you had no idea we'll just get you practice like yeah cool. yeah i mean it's a very wholesome scene you know they'll bring you in and they'll really take care of you and i met some incredible people on that scene doing breakaway and prime and you know, some of my just favorite moments, I guess for you now, what's your, you know, what's your favorite festival that you've been to or performed at, would you say? Oh, um, I mean, I would probably say like, and it's going to sound kind of cocky, but like we, uh, my company, Ambu Agency, um, we threw our first festival that we were partnering in with Boot Lake Base this year in um, Bellevue, Ohio at Coyote Grove. And I got to headline and be support for Cleopatra and Blackout on saturday night and i i know it sounds horrible because our company's a part of that event but like out of anything i've ever done like hands down the most wholesome the most meaningful for me like of not just me but like all of my best friends that's including tyler knight and that's including you know people like kayla bear and jake murdoch and everybody else that was there at the fest that were my best friends that were like we had to give like a hundred and ten percent to that fast dude it was like every bit we were all so tired you know like sleep deprived it was hot you know what i mean and you know you go and it's the last night of the fast and you get to headline mm-hmm. and it's packed we sold out on um, so wow. that was a huge thing and it was a small fest like don't get me wrong we're not talking selling out thousands and thousands of tickets yeah. you know we capped the door and and we had an under a thousand person festival, which is just an amazing thing to do and have as our first milestone of what we're doing. And like, I don't know, it was just something that like overall to me meant a lot. Yeah. It like, I cried a shit ton at the end of that. And my best friends and I were all hugging on stage. 
Mm. And it was like a huge moment for us. Like, and, yeah. and even though like we had these headliners that we brought in, like a lot of people kept saying, well, you had the set of the weekend because it was just more like my family and my friends were there and given all that we did, like alongside a bootleg base, like they did all that same shit with us. And it was like this whole like bonding experience with our groups of friends that we got to incorporate with this fast. And it was like 10 out of 10 for me. I mean, honestly, like it was so cool. And this was right after COVID, right? Yeah. And so this, yeah. this was just on from May 20th to the 23rd this year. Yeah. I remember seeing the video. I mean, it was, you could feel the emotion from you on stage is like that final song that you posted. Like it was just like, we're here. We did it. Like, and just all the energy was let out. It was amazing to see just through video. Yeah. And speaking of that, like our videographer went above and beyond, like shout out Nick Van Loon. Like that guy is on, he's actually now the, he's doing all the breakaway music wow. festivals across the country. Like him. he's been a friend of ours that started at base elements with us. And now he's like doing amazing things. And I tell him all the time that that man has like, blown me away with yeah. how far he's come like there's actually this shot that he posted on my facebook of like the years of progression and it's like astronomical to me wow. to see that and just like alongside of me doing what i do you know yeah i guess like with you i mean you've only it's only been five years but like does it feel like five years to you since you've been doing god almighty it feels like forever yeah <laughs> it really feels like you know it feels like it's been a lot longer and, and I mean that in the best way possible, just because it's like, it's so much that I had to take in and learn. I felt like I grew up so much in this time, like even in the last two years, like it's been a lot of growth and like, I have to like learn or like to sink or swim kind of thing a lot of the time, you know yeah. what I mean? And that's, that's super okay. Um, but it's just a lot and it takes a lot of time. Like, I feel like I definitely sleep less. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, that's, that's okay. You know what I mean? It's just working harder. And I feel like maybe that's why it feels like a lot longer is that it's just a lot more hard work in this era. So like the reason I set you up for that question is, is because I always want to know this when someone, you know, pursues a certain creative career, you know, like you were not a DJ, you know, you were a D guy who was DJing and a guy who was producing, but when did that like flip where it was like, no, this is, this is me. This is who I am. Like, I'm not, I'm not just part-time anymore. This is a full-time thing. Um, it was, it was pretty much like working at the jobs that I was, especially during COVID. Like it was a really serious eye opener. Like I had a very, I don't want to call it like a spike in my career, but like I had a very, very high influx of shows right before the pandemic mm -hmm. where I got to open for some Tronics and like all these other people that, I was like, holy crap, you know, yeah. I'm really having stuff happen. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? And then this pandemic hits and I'm like, oh my God, my whole life's over. And like, that's like my immediate thought was like, I was like, oh my God. And I had like, I think I had like 15 shows or 16 shows in like one day all canceled because of everything going on. And it was just like such a, like a weird thing to have happen. You know, like it takes every bit of wind out of your sails. You completely reevaluate what's going on. And, um, you know, it was like a huge thing. And like, I, I noticed immediately, I was like, okay, I'm going to go get a day job and stuff like that. And I tried to do that for a bit. And I was like, so unhappy. Like I hated it. And like, and it's nothing about who I worked with, but I just hated doing it. You yeah. Know? And, um, it was a big, 
issue with me at least on at first because it just it just dragged I mean those months working at that job just felt like an eternity and I was working like every chance I got like I was working at that job producing as much as I could every chance I got like I was on my laptop trying to do something to get out of that freaking place like you know (laughs) anything and um you know those those kind of moments really pushed me and actually that's where I actually got to write fuckboy symphony fuckboy symphony um came out while I was working um as a security guard pretty lit um (laughs) I'm not a big fellow but it was that was my job um And I was a security guard at Frederick Meyer Gardens. Oh, yeah. It was beautiful. And I yeah. loved it. Such great for inspiration and stuff like that. All the colors and, and everything there. Jeez. Oh, my God. Beautiful. Oh, wow. I mean, I didn't know that about you. I didn't know that you actually went and did a day job. That's, I mean, that's, that's a lot of you just to get back up. And especially like when everything's taken away from you. I mean, 15 shows in one day. That's like getting knocked out 15 times. Like it was horrible. I like literally just sat there and after a point, I just like let my phone go and I was getting all these messages and I didn't even want to open them because I already knew what was happening. It was so bad because you just know what's happening. You're like, yeah, oh my God. you're like, the, and it's not even just you, like the whole world is just, everything's getting taken away from everyone. It's like, yeah. dude, like, isn't it crazy? Like that was oh, a year ago already. Like it was, it was absolutely one of the most horrific and unprecedented shocks that I've had in my life. I had no idea how to process that. Like, I will not lie to you. Even looking back on it, I have no idea how I like, how I even dealt with it as it was happening. It was so wild because it's like everything that you had planned for the next like six, seven months of your life is just gone. Oh, like, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like, so like my immediate thoughts are, okay, well, how am I going to pay my bills? You know what I mean? Like, that was the first question. Absolutely. And then I'm like, oh my God, you know what I mean? So that was where the job came in, obviously. But, yeah, you know, like, that was a big thing. And I had to motivate myself to be like, all right, I need to do a full-time job to be able to pull my bills because that was my job full-time. Yeah, and right. Some X amount of time to being able to pay my bills. So it was pretty horrific for most of us. I mean, I had friends that I... I mean, I know that I had a bunch of friends that lost thousands upon thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. not even just in, you know, shows that they weren't having, but like investments to their tours and, you know, to the, you know, all the rentals that they have to rent for these periods of time. It's like astronomical how much money people were spending. And I understand that a lot of these industry heads that were, you know, helping these tours go out were being very understanding and trying to help these artists out. But like, nevertheless, almost everybody took, including myself, I took like, probably a $5,000 financial hit immediately. Easily. Yeah. I mean, it was just like right off rip. It was horrific. I mean, I had to pay back so many people for deposits and right. like, it was nuts. Like my whole bank account was just like gone. Yeah. I like, mean, <laughs> but then like now looking forward to like where you are right now, like it makes you appreciate like the music I oh my God. even more. Like I feel That's like awesome. the resurgence of the music community everywhere in the world, like music is going to be even more powerful. Like I've been to a couple shows myself now and music does just sound and feel different just to me at least. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a whole different energy with people being out. People are so much more excited, I guess, to be there. You know what I mean? I yeah. don't know how to put that like to like to be present in it now. I don't even know how to put that because I feel like a lot of people before shutdown were just kind of like going to shows to go to shows. Cause there were so many. 
oh my god it was all the time so like but now it's like there's not like all these shows are coming back and people aren't just going to shows to going to shows they're going to shows they want to go to because they couldn't for like a year exactly like the desire to be there at that show now is like immense like Lollapalooza anything like those like those big ones now they're just not getting washed out but you know like it was just another festival another festival and now that you didn't have it for a year it's like I need to go to Lollapalooza now like everyone wants to go so it's pretty cool exactly and that influx I think has driven a lot of us to like really push ourselves like I don't know it's really cool to be able to see people that like I know and work with like for instance getting on Lost Lands like they just dropped yeah. their up and stacked you know what I mean and stacked. I had so many friends on there i was like oh my god guys like so many people that have been working for forever to get on that lineup and i was just like that's what's up like i'm so happy to see people that are out here like doing that again like i get hyped to see people that i know doing that even if i don't know them, i love their music i'm like that's so dope that you're doing this again because none of us were for over a year like good for everybody at this right. point like you just see everyone again smiling and on stage and playing the music they want to play and it's like it just the the feeling in the crowd the feeling on stage behind the decks like everything just feels different like it feels like you belong there even more i feel like oh absolutely and it's it, it's a really nice sense of belonging I, I admit that like you feel like i mean i tell everybody that this stuff like performing and being at events is, is more therapeutic to me than anything else that i have really in my life and i know it's yeah. crazy and i know that's probably a little backwards but it is something that like I consider therapeutic to be able to go out and be able to play music for people. You know what I mean? And do like be myself up in front of others. You know what I mean? I don't know how else to describe that, but like that helps me feel more comfortable in my own skin. Oh, I mean, I don't even think you can describe it until you've done it. Like, like, oh, absolutely. I, like if you haven't walked out to a crowd of people and there's a CDJ mixer and everything in front of you and you press play, and like, then you'll know what that feeling is like that therapeutic feeling of like feeling the bass kick in, feeling the, the crowd start to like murmur and then just the bass drops and the crowd goes ballistic. Like until you've been behind that deck and seen it with your own eyes, like you can't explain it. I feel like. Oh, and it's, I tell everybody that that's like a high, like, unlike any other, I don't know. Oh, how to yeah that it's it's more of an adrenaline rush than any extreme sport that i've ever done you know what i mean like yeah. anything like it's it's definitely wild and, and like this is gonna sound so wild but that adrenaline rush can be on a stage in front of like four people oh yeah especially with it's you dude like mind-blowing like i had this like small event that i played not that long ago and it was like, I don't want to like say it weirdly, but there was not that many people there, but like, I still try to play a good show. Yeah. And for some reason, like, I'm still really nervous at those shows. Like, even though there's no people there, because I feel like it's more room for people to be like, oh, this guy sucks. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, you see all their facial expressions. Oh, absolutely. You can see if like anything goes wrong at all. And like, I'm, I'm a pretty confident performer of like knowing that I can DJ fairly well, but like, it's hard to read a room sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like certain places that I've gone and traveled, like it's definitely tricky to place like what they like and how like certain songs will work or not work a room. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is what I wanted to ask you. I was thinking about this today when I was like, what, are, what am I going to ask the guy? Like, how did you get into the genre that you're in? Like, what would you label your genre? Are you dubstep? Are you something else? Like, how did you get into the genre that you are Ronan now? 
Oh God. Okay. I had to go through a lot of things of kind of figuring out what I didn't want to be. This is going to sound so backwards, but <laughs> I'm going to try to explain this as best I can. Um, I really, really wanted to be like, <laughs> like, like Troy boy <laughs> and like Skrillex or something. Like yeah. I wanted to grow step and like trap. And I was like, and I was like all about that. And then I produced like my first track and it was kind of like Moombatani, which is welcome to my planet, which is like, I, I look back on that. And I'm like, I don't know what I was doing, but, um, <laughs> and so like, it took a long time. Like I admit that like with these new releases, this is starting to get like more into that. And like, I feel like it's really interesting. Like a lot of people comment on the fact that like my music progression of like how, if you listen from start to finish on my SoundCloud of what it started like to what it is now, it's so different. Like it's, oh, it was yeah. very wonky and wobbly at the beginning. And now it's more very guttural and very heavy and very like, I don't know. Symphonic has been the new thing that I've been really interested in. And like, I really like that concept a lot. So I guess the genre that I'm in now, technically, um, a lot of people are calling it symphonic tear out. Mm. Um, I, I've seen a couple forums about this that um, it, it's it's something that isn't really done much mm-hmm. on, and I understand that, and I'm so so okay with that, like <laughs> um, because I'm having to take a lot of classical sounds and chain them to these non, you know organic sounds at all with like synths and stabs and machine gun sounds and like trying to incorporate them to make sense together um is why um fuckboy symphony took me three months is like it took me a long time to understand how to mix and master um all that together and even try to make sense out of it because it was confusing to try to score out an orchestra yeah and, and then like make it not sound horrible on top of dubstep Right. And like a lot of people will use um like like symphony sounds in just like the intro, but like I didn't want just that. Like I wanted it to be utilized throughout the entirety of the song mm-hmm. and and have it be more of like the lead as opposed to the background. Right. And, and that's kind of the, the genre that I'm currently pushing is, is pushing for more of those symphonic organic leads as opposed to just using synthesis like sense every single time for for your lead melody at this point i mean i see so many people do that and it's sick because they'll design the dopest most crisp new patch and serum but like i think that there's a lot of validity to like using live instruments for lead you mm-hmm. know what I mean? and electric guitar like for instance like sullivan king like totally slams that genre of using a live instrument and using its full palette and full capabilities yeah. to what it does you know what I mean but I'm trying to take that in a different step of saying okay I'm using all of these palettes from the symphony to you know utilize it with what I'm doing in this kind of like tear out kind of genre man that's man I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about now that was a great way to describe it <laughs> like that was that was great man I mean like that just feels like oh, like to me that sounds overwhelming though you know like that's like three months to produce one track is that common in your genre or no it was the single longest single longest piece that i've ever made so far because the fact that it was so many layers and i had to keep compressing it and knocking it down and knocking it down and knocking it down and like trying to make it like i don't want to say tangible but like you know make sense to the listener because it was like overwhelming you know what i mean yeah 
trying to like, cause it's just so much noise. And like, you know, a lot of producers will say, Oh, you'll, you need to fill, you know, you need to fill your high end of your mix with all sorts of elements and stuff like that. And when that was happening, my high end of my mix was like nuts. It was like so much stuff. It was like heavier than my bass. It made no sense. I was like, <laughs> what's going on? And when I was even working with Mysteria on this project here to a point, we did a lesson while working on Fuckboy Symphony to take a look at it and to see what can we do to not make this so hectic, basically, was the, was the topic for the entirety of the session. And to be quite fair, like, he even at a point was like, holy fuck, you're so disorganized. <laughs> you know, like, like it was just, it was a mess, dude. It was the thing. Like, I had no organization. It was like a hundred and something layers Jeez. of just holy <laughs> sound and like it would be like the same sound but for some reason i'd have like six tracks for it for no reason yeah and it would always be like layered it out in the dumbest way possible and have them be turned off and you know what i mean it would be yeah. like the most confusing thing for an audio engineer to look at and he goes you need we need to clean this and try to fix it and like it was a couple steps of me just basically learning that like i needed to become more organized and so like i feel like i would have produced that track in a month if i wouldn't have been so disorganized probably mm. And I learned so much about like going forward about my workflow because I've had struggles with that the entire time of me producing of just not being able to be satisfied with the product. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of that came from the fact that I was so disorganized because it would be like, I would be sitting there kicking, you know, picking out a kick for an hour and a half. <laughs> and now I just have a folder that's like, these are the kicks you should use instead of you sitting there for a freaking hour and a half. You know what I mean? Like, so it's a beautiful like, thing what music can teach you. I mean, honestly, and like, I, I feel like I really, I definitely wasted a lot of time, mm. but like it was worth me wasting. So I won't waste it again. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I take that as like a, you know, as a grain of salt, like I'm happy that I learned it my own way, as opposed to trying like a million and one ways from other people and acting like that was sensible because I was more guided into learning how to do it my own way as opposed to having somebody force a nail and say this is the only way to do it mm, man. because i wasn't like taking that yeah like i felt like i feel like now i'm so comfortable with reaching out to people to ask for help but when i first started and i'm sure maybe you felt a little of the same way like like i didn't want to ask for help i wanted to do it myself i wanted to just i wanted to put out that you know the smash hit the smash mix whatever it was without any help and now i'm like if I don't get feedback prior to release, I'm going to look like an idiot. Like I need those. Yeah. Absolutely. And I have like the, yeah, dude, I have the best literal support group for that in the world. Like I had a million and one years of my friends on this track from like day one. Like the second that I came out with that first drop and I was like, okay, I feel like I have something here. Does everybody else feel like this is real? And everyone's like, yeah, no, this is good. I was like, all right, all right. So like, we need to push this and like try to like see if we can get it. And then Watership picked it up. Mm. like that was wild to me because like i i hadn't had a label release yet like i i have a couple collabs that are signed right now um with loki with tyler knighton is one of them and then virtuosic is another one my buddy michael Robbins from florida and like i hadn't had any solo track signs like yeah. at all like none of my dubstep stuff on my solo was getting signed and i was so discouraged like i was like oh my god i have all these ids i'm sending to people no one wants them and then out of nowhere, I, I kind of got approached by um, Tyler Anderson from Watership. And he was the one that kind of really like promoted this whole thing and pushed the envelope to get me through. And 
um, you know, design that we have a merch um, drop that's going to be coming out tomorrow. Um, so um, that's super exciting on um, with all sorts of stuff, like hats and shirts and shorts and joggers and Hell yeah. everything like a whole merch drop just around the song because we wanted to make sure that it was promoted the right way. And that was like huge for me because like all this stuff is so foreign. You know what I mean? I had no idea like about any of this. So it's been like super in depth for me to be able to understand like how much goes behind like a label release. You know, it's a lot more than most people think. And right. It's like a lot of moving pieces and a lot of people. So do you think that this is the first, I mean, is this the first time that it's felt like this where you were just like kind of flabbergasted with the whole process? Oh, hundred percent. Like, I mean, I've worked really hard on music before, but like to have others work as hard as you do on what you do is, is like an entirely different response inside of how you are. Like, I mean, I've had a lot of positive feedback from what I do and like, you know, from friends and from like other artists and stuff like that. But when you see other people putting in their time and like putting, you know, their effort in like how you did, even if it's not like, obviously I'm not expecting people to put three months into this, right? but you know what I mean? Like seeing that level of enthusiasm, like it, it's, it's monumental like in, in the difference that it creates in my mind, like, cause like even reading the article that Garth from Monsoon Season wrote, like teared up reading it. It was like, like, I couldn't believe I'm reading about my track. You know what I mean? It, like In it, writing. Yeah. And it blew yeah. me away. Like, absolutely. Like, I mean, he is not only is he like a phenomenal writer, but like, it just blows me away because I have to like check myself throughout that process. I'm like, this is not about somebody else. Right. Cause it doesn't feel like that's like, it's, it's taken a bit like to kind of set in like that. This is like a thing that people are starting to enjoy mm-hmm. and uh, has some traction. And I mean, I don't really know anticipation wise where we're heading with like how, you know, how many plays or whatever. I don't really, I'm not a huge care person in that regard, but like, I'm happy to see the result that people see that this is something different and right. that it's being accepted even if it's only by a select few, the fact that it's accepted as something that's tangible in the dubstep scene and it's not traditional for me is like a win. Yeah. Like the biggest of holy crap wins to me. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Because like, this is a long shot to me. Right. Because I don't have homies. I don't even know anybody in the state of Michigan that does like symphonic dubstep like me or symphonic tear out or like even works with full orchestra other than I know that Tyler Knighton has some knowledge that he expressed with me. And I know a few other producers from around the state work a lot with violin and with cello specifically, mm-hmm. but I, it's really tricky when you don't have peers to look to, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you're like, Hey, does this sound dope? And they're like, um, and like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it makes a dumb like, person go like, I don't know if I yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of just like, well, because like everybody's immediate knee jerk from like my dubstep homies is like the symphonic stuff is like, they're just like, oh, that's so like, and they're yeah. just like all synths. And I'm like, I love you guys so much. But like the glitch and synth thing is like everybody right now. Right. And I'm like, I can't act like I want to do something like that because I love doing it. Like I have a collab with Hounds and we're working on a whole EP and it's very liquid and very glitchy dubstep. And like, I love that stuff. But like, we always bash heads about the like symphonic stuff mm-hmm. because I don't want to give that up ever. Mm. And he's like, I want to make it glitchy. And, you know, and but that's like part of being an artist, you know what I mean? Is that you have a lot of people that are going to be like, no, no, no. And you got to be able to hold your ground. Yeah. Which is tough, yeah especially yeah. with movies. Yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's an incredible thing to try to sell your vision to somebody else and for them to like equally replicate it in their brain as you do. And then like support you in that route in any way. It's like, it's so hard to do, but like once you do it, it clicks. Yeah. And there was like, God, I wish I was better at memory of some of the lines that Garth said, but like there was some of the things that he said in there and I'm like reading like, dude, this could be in a freaking book. Like I like messaged him that I was like, this doesn't even like, this is like unreal, dude. How can like, and I'm like, I'm flattered. Don't get me wrong. I'm absolutely flattered and honored to have somebody write about me like this. But I'm like, holy fuck, dude. <laughs> like, like, I feel like I'm reading the Lord of the Rings. I feel like I'm reading like some like novel or something about somebody. And I'm like, this is like, it's, it was kind of foreign to me. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like it was something very fascinating, but like, I don't know. Like it is so wild to see that level of enthusiasm, like in person and not have it be something that's just like false or whatever. Cause like right. a lot of people will say kind of like the bare minimum when they're talking about, especially in like review to your music. Like I noticed that like nobody ever wants to say anything. Like they want to give you positive feedback. And like, yeah, that. like, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Like it's, Oh, that was dope. Yeah. That was good, bro. Yeah. That's, that's really good, dude. I like that. Like, and, like, and then you're just kind of like sitting there like, okay, well, you know, like, I don't really know how to act to that, but I appreciate you being so supportive. Do you feel like the music, I mean, at least around you, I mean, it's competitive or is it just competitive nature? I mean, what is it competitive around you right now? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. It's super competitive and, and that's okay. Um, a lot of people want to be out of the local scene wherever they are. And that's not just here, you know, that's anywhere. And that's like artists have been breaking out like left and right from their local scenes because the whole goal of you being a local artist is to not be a local artist anymore. You right. know what I mean? So like a lot of people right now with the gates kind of being back open are like really going like, and I'm seeing like, I mean, and I don't really consider it super competitive more so as I consider it like everybody's gunning right now because the field's pretty open. Oh yeah. And a lot of these newcomers like that you wouldn't have heard of potentially before quarantine are like huge on the rise right now. Like mm -hmm. people that were never playing shows to my awareness, like out and touring, but are now touring fully. Like it's kind of wild to see that level of rise in some of the people that I've even worked with. Like, I mean, like for instance, like seeing like my homie Amorphic, who is like, absolutely been destroying it like i was just with him um a couple of days ago and he's all over the map and the kid's only 19 years old wow and he's like you know he just released on subtronics label and he's you know doing this that and the other thing and headlining all these crazy events and it's like seeing people that i would have never I don't say I would have never imagined that he would be doing that but i think that it's really wild to see that progression be so spiked for him oh, because yeah. it's been such a crazy rise for somebody like that that has the opportunity when they're talented and they have the drive and you know our for instance he's also like sober so like he's really serious about what he does mm -hmm. like i treat people like that have that mindset especially at the age of 19 with like so much respect i'm like that's i would kill to be like that at 19 right <laughs> oh my gosh what to make that decision and like stick with it because like every 19 year old has said like oh i'm never drinking again but like he was like no like i'm so he was literally like with us the whole time and he had ability to i mean his mom was with him yeah 
his mom was like the coolest, you know what I mean? Oh, and like, cool. and it was so nice to be able just to see somebody that took it serious at that age. And I was like, dude, I envy oh, yeah. your, your ability to have foresight into what you want. You know what I mean? And you're like, you know, it's going to take me taking this serious to get there. I mean, yeah, because you're so like men, not mentally behind, but like, you're so young. Like you're just oh so God. young, like, like ha- releasing a song on, uh, Subtronics's label at 19, bro. Mind blowing. He, and he even says it. It's like he doesn't even register it all the time. It's like so hard for him to process because I was like, how could you, dude? Oh, you're supposed to be worrying about what you're, like what you're gonna eat tonight. Like, yeah. Like, chill out. Like, like, it blows my mind. Like, and I mean, it's, I imagine it must be an astronomical amount of pressure for the young man. But don't get me wrong, he takes it very well. And like, I, I've seen a lot of people that are like him that are taking this very seriously they're not here to just be these party animals they're here to make a better you know future for our community and i'm like those are the guys that are going to make the difference out here because like i see people like that that come out the woodwork that are 19 years old they're making some of these 30 year olds that get black out when they play mm-hmm. look like young because that kid will outperform people like that oh yeah and it's nuts like i mean him and i did a little bit of a back-to-back even when we were there and like playing alongside damiano the kid is nuts, yeah. bro. Like, and I knew that already from watching the videos online, but like, it does no justice to seeing a DJ like that in person because then you're like, oh my God, I got to step my game up. Oh yeah. Cause he's like doing quad drops around these kids. Like you wouldn't believe and he's 19, <laughs> man. Like you're like, oh my God, dude. Because, and that's something like that. I have people that are 30 around me that we book and they can't do that. And I'm like, right. oh, God, guys, come on. Dude, I mean, with you, something that I loved about you performing is that your energy on stage, like, is just, you, you are very, like, it's an emotional feeling, you know, mm-hmm. like, you feel the performance from you and, like, how you're feeling about it to the crowd. Mm-hmm. Like, when have you, I mean, have you always been like that on stage where it's just, like, your energy is so exuberant and, like, you're screaming in the mic and, like, you're getting everyone hype? Have you always been like that or is that just developed over time uh that was actually really developed it took a while um it took about like a year i would think maybe like maybe a little bit under but like there is i i can remember it and it's really funny that you asked that because i haven't thought about this until a couple of days ago but somebody asked me a very similar question like were you always like that on stage and i was like no nah. like there was this period of time that i was very stagnant mm. and i was very it's just because i wasn't comfortable mixing like I was like, I was okay, but I'd have to look at my grids a lot and I'd have to listen really hard in my headphones. And I had to like outgrow that, like, and get to the point that I was really comfortable with my equipment, especially on CDJs to be able to perform and like not have to like be glued to like your visual. You know what right. I mean? And so after I started breaking away from that and, and getting into, I'm pretty sure it was my first breakaway. Yeah. I think it was my first breakaway because I played front prime first. Mm-hmm. So like about I would say like nine months or ten months after I played my first show, that was when I like, I had time between A and B, like ten month or eleven month period maybe, mm-hmm. to to practice a lot and like I got really more comfortable. I actually had a couple friends from my area like that took time and I rented practice time to be able to play, and then I started being able to get more comfortable. And this sounds super dumb, but like I would practice in my car. Mm. like with songs and like I would load up a flash drive and I actually have a USB plug-in in my car and I would 
plug my USB in and I would listen to my songs and I would practice what I would say yeah. with them playing in my car so that I would not like stutter or I wouldn't like, get your fucking hands up. Like, literally, and I would like do it with my hand and everything and put it in my face and people would look at me weird if I'd be a stoplight. And um, <laughs> Dude, I'd do the same thing. <laughs> but it's, it was good practice though. Like, it, is. it actually made it easier because like I had the, dude, I just... I like will never I can't remember what I used to say but there was like this period of my life where I swear I like made like a mental block on all the stupid shit that I set off a microphone because like I just like it was right before like that breakaway I'm pretty sure that I remember I just said something absolutely ludicrous on a microphone that made no sense and everybody was just like what I was like it was something about like safe driving or something. I remember what it was about, but I don't remember what I said. Like, I was like, make sure that you have a responsible like driver to drive you guys home tonight. And, like, I sound like a mom, like a grandmother on a microphone as a DJ. And everybody was like, what? And here comes the drop. Yeah, and then the drop. And then everyone's just like, so, and everyone's like so confused. Like, and it was just like, yeah, that was, that's what I decided to do that night. <laughs> oh, dude. I've always had the vision of like being on stage and like right before the drop, I like read out a like McDonald's order or something. And then it drops. Like I got two Big Macs, two 10 piece McNuggets and a large Coke. <laughs> and, that just, and everyone just goes nuts. <laughs> it's actually funny. Amorphic and I were talking about that when we were with each other. It's like, if you have a big enough crowd, you can basically say whatever you want. Oh, anything. And so anything. like there was this time that he was telling me that he was on, uh, he was on stage at Bay Station in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Somebody threw fruit up on stage and he picked it up. It was an apple and he goes, he picked the mic, goes apple. And then everybody freaked out, dude. Like he just said apple and everyone lost it. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, okay, yeah, that's exactly where we're at. Uh, the power of being the conductor of the crazy train on stage, man. I mean, you can literally do anything. It's one of the most amazing feelings. Um, and it's amazing to see from hearing you at the beginning of the episode, tell me that your first show, you almost knocked yourself out with a microphone and bloodied yourself on stage. What would that guy say to you right now? Or if you, what would you say to that guy right now from where you're at? Um, I would tell that guy to produce faster (laughs) (laughs) and buy Ableton like right away. Um, no, um, in seriousness, I would tell myself just to not take it so seriously because I had a lot of times where I feel like I took it so serious and I missed out on fun. Mm. Like, and I know that sounds kind of dumb because everyone's like, oh, you should always take it more seriously and, and take this very seriously. And I'm like, I agree with that totally. But I had a lot of times when I was first starting out that I was so concerned with what everybody else around me thought that I didn't enjoy it as much at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I look back on that and I'm like, I regret not enjoying it as much so i probably just tell myself you know just take it all in you know when you do it learn a lot and enjoy it you know because i think that was something that i missed out on a little bit is that i was so wrapped up in my next move mm-hmm. that i was not ever able to just stop and smell the like smell the flowers i think and enjoy what i was doing because it was so i was so intoxicated with what i was doing with it you know what i mean i was like so in love with the scene and the people and everything else yeah that i lost sight of that at the beginning and now I look at it and when I enjoy it and I have those moments I'm, I'm a lot more grateful because I didn't always feel that way yeah you know so that's all I would probably tell myself I wouldn't tell myself anything crazy you know like don't do this don't do that because I had a lot of mistakes and I've made plenty of them but I think that it helped me become a better person and a better artist eventually was making a lot of those mistakes absolutely I mean 
to look back at, you know, your first track, your first show, like that's who you're supposed to compare yourself to yourself. That's it. Like, your only competitor is you, you know, you just got to be better than you were yesterday. That's Absolutely. And I try to like, always like, I guess I tell a lot of people, it's like, don't be so hard on yourself. You know what I mean? I'm super duper hard on myself. And I admit that I'm probably like the biggest hypocrite with this in the world, but I, I tell people a lot of the time, try not to be because it doesn't benefit you to dwell on all that. You know what I mean? It benefits you only in the sense as if it motivates you. And if it's not motivating you to do something better, then don't do it. You know? I love that. I love that, man. Um, before you, I let you go, man, what is on your schedule these next couple weeks, next couple months? Where can they um, find you? Fuckboy Symphony streaming on Apple and Spotify. Where can they see you live, brother? Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry about all the sirens in the background. Um, <laughs> I live downtown. I was like, oh God, please don't come down my street. This is going to be horrible. Um, for the next stuff that I have coming up, I have a couple of shows here. I have Roslands in Michigan on July 30th. On July 31st, I have Whiskers Near Death Experience Tour in Chicago. Um, August 14th, I have Sweet Summer Heat with Eliminate, Dirty Audio, Megalodon, and Luca Lush with uh, Boss and Loki as my homies with support for that one. Wow. Um, and Cray. Um, shout out to all those boys that are on that lineup. And then I have a couple more shows that are coming up here. Obviously, Breakaway Music Festival 2021 is coming up. Um, and I will be hanging out at Lost Lands and a couple other festivals around. I will probably be at Grid Life as well, just hanging out with them. I love the Grid Life crew, so I'm at a lot of race events this summer. Um, other than that, I'm going to be kind of just working on a lot more music. We have a couple more label releases that are going to be coming up later this summer. Um, keep your eyes up on Death Star Cult. Death Star Cult will be previewing and releasing um, a track with Loki and I here later this year that's called Stupid Muff. Super excited about that one. That's been a track that we've been working on for forever. Um, other than that, you know, um, we have a couple of shows for Ambu Agency. I'm going to tell everybody that keep your eyes up on the company, man. We have a lot of big things in the works and we've been trying to really push the envelope for what we're doing with creating a better show experience for everybody because that's something that we've been wanting for a long time. I love that, man. I'm so excited for you. Uh, one of my favorite people that I've ever met out of the Grand Rapids music scene. Keep being you, brother, until our schedules align again, my friend. <laughs> absolutely, dude. You are absolutely a pleasure to talk to. And I appreciate you so much for having me on, my guy. Absolutely, man. Episode 99 with Ronan, Mike Ronan. We will see you when we see you guys. Peace out. Much love, man. She pull up, call me baby I don't know Mercedes, I don't know Miss Lady But I wanna know you, and I wanna know it's cool If we can be a two, I mean like